0: whenever I'll hit a roadblock in a manuscript, I'll think, well, I should be marketing the other books. Do you know what I mean? So uh-huh. then I will flick away and I'll see about, I'll contact a local bookstore or I'll reach out to a podcast host or, okay. and then I kind of tell myself, okay, you're not working on that manuscript, but you're doing marketing for the other works. And that's just as important. Hi, friends.
1: This is Read and Write with Natasha podcast. My name is Natasha Tynes, and I'm an author and a journalist. In this channel, I talk about the writing life, review books, and interview authors. Hope you enjoy the journey. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Read and Write with Natasha. So today we have with us Liz Alterman, who is the author of the book, The Perfect Neighborhood. All right. So Liz has the funniest bio I've ever read. So listen to this. Uh, She lives in New Jersey with her husband and three sons. She spends most days repeatedly microwaving the same cup of coffee and looking up cinnamons. So this is just hilarious and funny, which brings me to the first question, which is about humor. But before I start asking you about humor, Liz, welcome to the show, and thank you, thank you for joining me.
0: Oh, thank you for having me, Natasha. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, me, me too. Morning. So obviously, you're
1: funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, it's from your bio, and I read a few articles about uh, remote learning and Lama Lama. My Chrome is dead. So, which
0: which cracked me up. So, yeah. So, your your book. (laughs) Go ahead. Sometimes. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I try to uh, work out some of my personal frustrations through humor. <laughs> and I think remote learning was really kind of reaching, pushing me over the edge at the point where I wrote yeah, that. Yeah,
1: this is, I mean, I, I also try to incorporate humor in, in anything I write. It doesn't always work, but I, I try. And <laughs> but your, your book is deals with, with, uh, with a bit of a dark topic. And so I'm going to let you tell us a bit about this book. And if you manage to somehow include humor in, you know, while you're writing about a dark topic.
0: Oh, thanks for asking. So the perfect neighborhood is set in an affluent suburb. And I've lived in New Jersey most of my life. And so while it's a fictional town in the novel, it is sort of based on different communities where I've lived in New Jersey. And I think there's always a lot of room for humor within sort of the parenting community um, that, you know, gossipy kind of uh, who's keeping the secrets about when registration is for the good soccer teams or the basketball teams. Teams, or who's the best math tutor, but they may not want to share that information in case you bump their child out of the way. So the book centers on this, I guess, this neighborhood, Oak Hill, where initially all the gossip focuses on a model and an actress, Allison Langley, who leaves her husband, who's a former rock star, and sort of uh, they seem like this golden couple in the neighborhood. But when she leaves him in the middle of the night, everyone's gossiping. Is she coming back? What went wrong in their marriage? If they can't make it work, how can we make it work? And then fast forward two months and a little boy, Billy Barnes, goes missing on his walk home from kindergarten. And suddenly all of these people think, you know, we were focused on the wrong thing. We Mm. were at the Langleys and their marriage and we should have been worrying about possibly a predator in our midst and you know they were so comfortable in this nice area that they thought really nothing could touch them and so even though it is kind of a dark uh, I would say a suspense hopefully a suspenseful novel I did try to bring in humor in just those those characters of the kind of women and parents that you meet in a community like this and then we do learn where Allison has gone, and the woman that she's living with, her old friend. I tried to bring the humor through that woman's voice because. Uh, that friend, they've been out of touch, but they've reconnected. So Viv doesn't necessarily know everything that's gone on in Allison's past. So she brings a bit of comic relief, I think, to the novel because she's this like single gal in Manhattan, just you know, trying to have a good time, and she wants Allison to join her in kind of her her hijinks. And Allison is kind of trying to reconcile what happened to her when what led her to leave Oak Hill.
1: Okay, so it is set in suburbia, and uh, does uh, the name of the neighborhood is Oak Hill, right?
0: Does does it exist in in real life, or did you? No, know that? it's it's sort of a composite of all different areas, and it's funny uh, where I live now. People will say, "Oh, you base this on this town," and then uh, the town where I grew up, people will think it's based on that town. And another town where I work, people will think, oh, you based it on that. But really, they're so similar. It's sort of a composite of everything.
1: Okay. So why suburbia? I mean, like suburbia usually gets a bad rep <laughs> in in general. Like you have desperate, how uh, desperate, whatever, why, how housewives, and uh, you know, this is always like these uh, bad things happen in suburbia. Like think of Dateline when, like, in this quiet suburban town where nothing happens. So, and like. Is that a new trend now that everyone is picking on suburbia? And, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, I live in suburbia too. Um, I can see why it inspires you, but why suburbia? Why did you pick suburbia? Uh, why not like a thriving city like New York or um, so? That's a good question.
0: I think I was kind of going off of the write um, what you know. And so, I think for me, over the years, I've been in my home almost 23 years, and so I guess I had thought about different like characters that I've known or situations that seem almost um, ripe for writing about, and uh, and how everyone sort of knows a little bit of a piece of information about someone else or about the town, and I wanted to kind of play with that and just and explore it a little a little further. But I do. I love uh, novels set in cities as well. So I think for me, I was just trying to to go with um, what felt close to me or what felt um, appealing as a setting. Okay. And so you have three boys,
1: right? Three boys. I do. Yes. Okay. And so you're you're pretty busy, <laughs> right? I'm, <laughs> so I'm I'm curious about your writing style. So this
0: is your your first novel, correct? Well, I actually wrote a young adult thriller that came out in April of 2021, and then I've also written a memoir that um, Ah, came out, I guess, in November of 2021, and it's available through Audible on audio. It's called Sad Sacked, but it'll be out in print next June.
1: Ah, nice. Okay. Okay. That's that's exciting. What what's what's the memoir
0: about? The memoir is about a period when my husband and I lost our jobs within six weeks of each other. Okay, so uh, he had been in his job for about eighteen years and. He knew there were some layoffs coming, but so far he had avoided them until one November day when he, I guess, was let go in about a group of fifty employees. And initially he was super excited because he got a nice severance package and he he had kind of been not so happy there, okay. but he had this almost sense of security. There were good benefits. It was a role that, you know, he knew how to do the job, it was fine. And um, he was kind of complacent. So he saw he was looking at this layoff initially, as almost the kick in the pants that he needed to get out there and find something new. And for me, I had only been in my role maybe about two years when I was let go, the company was kind of just laying off people by the hundreds, and they were getting ready to be taken over by another company. But so the I guess I was initially panicked because I had seen my colleagues uh, being laid off and not being able to find new positions. So the whole book sort of focuses on how my husband and I, you know, we're home together. Which I joke, people say for better or worse, but not for lunch. You know, suddenly we're <laughs> we're looking at each other all the time, and uh, we've got these three kids who are kind of. It was funny. My middle son um, Ben, he just couldn't seem to process that. That his dad had lost a job because um, he would, my husband would come down and he would be like, Wait, dad, you still don't have a job? You're still here? What do you, what do yeah. you, wait, why is dad here? And we'd have yeah. to be like, Ben, dad doesn't have, it. like, it just seems like he, uh, you know, kids, they're in their own world and doing yeah. their own thing. And it would be like, Wait, dad still doesn't have a job? So, it's kind of how we had different approaches. And um, I just wanted to get right back to work. And we live in an older home. And so I was kind of hoping if, um, if, we could get back to work, we could use that severance package to like repair the poor plumbing and our deck that was falling off the house and make those home improvements. And my husband was more like, I'm joining a gym and I'm getting fit. And I'm going to take time for that personal stuff I missed when I was riding the train at 530 in the morning. So uh, it's kind of all about our different approaches and how that impacts our marriage and our family and and just the job market in general. It had changed so much we would find these applications that would say tell us your personal theme song or give us an elevator pitch about our company in 140 characters or less and we were just kind of like what is going on (laughs) crazy
1: (laughs) so uh, i i hope you guys are okay now uh in terms of the job scene which the question is now is are you writing full-time or are you I'm trying trying to write
0: another novel, but I'm also taking on freelance projects as they come in and, uh, and trying, but you know, I feel like at the time when I wrote the memoir, um, you know being unemployed people would say, people didn't really want to hear about it we i had an agent she sent it out and people would say nobody wants to talk about unemployment this was maybe in 2018 so i feel like once the pandemic hit and we saw such widespread layoffs i feel okay. like it's taken a bit of the stigma away okay. from unemployment so and i feel like so many people have had to weather that storm okay. that uh, that i hope the story resonates with with more people and as people people
1: find that okay so so for me it's it's also a, like a matter of mindset like you know you're a published author you're working on a second now uh, you're doing freelance Why what would you call yourself unemployed you know like because okay. the whole like idea of employment changed you know uh so as a full-time writer uh you st- you still want to, to be in the rat race of the nine to five <laughs> and is is writing full-time not enough either financially or it is also for for your self-esteem as well
0: uh that's a great question well i did have a nine to five where i guess i would call it eight to six or okay. maybe round the clock um i had taken a job with a fintech company as okay. a, a communications manager uh of, i guess right maybe let's say april of 2021. And then, um, unfortunately the role shifted about six months in uh-huh. and I found myself just going to these four hour meetings, um, where people were just, they would, let's say post a slideshow or a PowerPoint presentation and we would spend 30 minutes debating the background color. Do we like teal? Do we like purple? And I was just kind of like, am I on a hidden camera show? I couldn't believe it. And, um, so that was really kind of a wake up call for me that I think I'm done in terms of the corporate side of things. Just, um, cause when you're freelance, you have that hustle, you take a project, You do your best, you turn it around, you wait for edits, you invoice, and you're done. And then you take your next project so that you can keep your paycheck coming in. And for these things, I guess with the way at least corporate America was going at that time, I just, I couldn't understand Having twenty people in a four hour meeting, and at the end really have not accomplished anything and say, "Okay, we're going to meet back next Wednesday, and we'll keep hashing this out and I just thought this is not how I am used to doing business
1: okay, so are you satisfied now with with being a full time writer is is that enough
0: and- uh, that, that's a good question i think I think uh personally like in terms of Fulfillment, I enjoy that. I, I try uh, to take on some side projects, maybe mm. writing an essay or a humor piece as the idea comes to me would I say financially that it's enough? No, I don't think so. So I definitely think I, my second child will uh, head to college in the fall. Mm. And I keep joking, either either I have to sell a novel or I have to really... <laughs> or sell <rethink> a child. <laughs> sell a child, sell a novel, okay. sell an organ. I don't know. Something, <laughs> something has to go.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it is, you know, you can do it. Uh, honestly, you can live off your writing. And there are ways around that we can chat about it later on but in if money was not the issue you would do this full-time right I would I would so it's 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 doable just let me tell you that so um okay so how like how is the book doing uh i remember i was at bars and noble a few months ago and i saw your book there i got so excited (laughs) i was like wow i'm interviewing a celebrity (laughs) thank you you. so so if you can tell me a bit about you know the feedback that you got if you know anything about how people received it how are you marketing is it you or your Uh, did you hire a PR company, your publishers? Let's just talk about how the book is doing.
0: Sure, thanks. Um, I guess I would say I've been really gratified to see that readers have enjoyed it at least or or if they're not enjoying it at least they've had the courtesy to not tag me and let me know (laughs) okay Um, so I appreciate that uh I think people have said you know I read it quickly it was a fast read which that's what um another friend of mine and I she's a writer as well and we were talking about how you know some books are like life-changing but we were saying we're really what we set out to do With our books, which fall more in the psychological suspense category. We're just looking to entertain readers, you know, to have maybe you have a book on your nightstand. And you look forward to getting back to it that night. Like that was kind of my goal. I wanted to provide entertainment for readers, and I hope that I've done that. And recently, I was very fortunate that um, some neighbors, which they were kind of joking because they were saying we were waiting to see ourselves in this book as characters, uh, because of course they've lived in this town with me for two decades. But they read the book for their book club, and they invited me to join them. So that was a real treat to get to talk to readers and and kind of. Um, For people who aren't writers, I think they don't know everything that goes into the process of maybe getting an agent and hoping to sell a novel and different paths to publishing. So that was neat to talk about. But in terms of marketing, uh, Crooked Lane put out the book in the U.S. and Legend put it out in the U.K. And so both of them were really helpful in terms of securing blog tours, uh, getting advanced reader copies out and uh you know and i love uh the bookstagrammers who have taken such creative photos you know i I love seeing the book I, i saw someone take it to hawaii on vacation i saw you know it's been out in the midwest it's out in uh the uk i think i can't remember um if someone took it to Spain, but I got to see, I said, I wish I could travel alongside this novel and and hit all of these fun destinations. But um, that's been really great. But I think, you know, so many books come out every single day that it is, it's such a saturated market. And you Mm. sometimes feel as if you're, you know, either too self promotional, or you're shouting into a void. So I think it's, It's very hard to strike that balance between thinking, oh my gosh, people are so sick of hearing about this book, or am I coming across as too self-promoting? But then at the same time, you think, um, if I want this book to find readers, I have to keep putting myself out there and I've been very fortunate local bookstores have been very supportive in having me uh you know come for a few hours and either do a reading or uh just sit and sign books so I I really appreciate all of that support too
1: Mm, nice so did you get any negative feedback you know it's it's kind of part of the gig right we we all get negative feedback uh but I I, I hope you didn't but if you did how how did you deal with it
0: You know, I think it's par for the course. I think you'll find people who will say, I guessed every twist. I knew from a third of the way through, I knew who the villain was, and I knew I saw this coming. And then um, I just kind of take it in stride. I feel like not every book is meant for every reader. I know I recently, I won't say which title, but I just got an audio book from the library and I made it eight hours into the book. And I just thought, you know what? I'm not loving this. And this is a book that's like a, a huge bestseller. And I just thought, you know what? Somebody else is waiting for this book. I'm just going to hit return and I'm going to move on to the next one. And I think that's, you know, we're, we're fortunate that there we have so many different genres to choose from that I can't I can't realistically expect that this book is going to hit with everyone. And just yesterday, I was talking to someone about a book that I loved in 2022. And um, she said, yeah, I know everybody loved that, but I just thought it was, ah, And so that's, you know, that's the game, I guess. Not everything is going to be a five-star read for every reader.
1: What was uh, feedback that gutted you the most? That, like, you know, (laughs) really went, yeah.
0: I guess I saw one reader say, oh, I found so many plot holes. And I Uh just wanted to say to her, okay, could you, like, would you like to outline those? But there was something else that made me think that she put in. Maybe she had the wrong character name or... Mm. There was something where I thought, you know what, maybe she didn't necessarily take the time. So I can't, I can't say for sure, but I wanted to write back and say, okay, could you list those? Cause I'd love, you know, just to either have the opportunity to explain maybe something or to think about it going forward. What, um, you know, what didn't necessarily work for her. But like I said, I, I think there was a bit of something in there that was like a clue that maybe she, maybe there was some skimming involved or maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, it's hard to. Hard to say. So how did you find your agent?
1: Uh, And how was the process? And, you know, I just want to know about the the publishing journey.
0: Uh, Well, I would say for this book, I sold it on my own to Crooked Lane. I didn't have an agent um, by the time I started uh, querying this. So I sent it to Crooked Lane and to a bunch of publishers that didn't require agents. And I ended up with five offers, which was... It was a shock because after um, I had had I had had a few agents before this, and um, with my memoir and with my young adult thriller, and you, I would get some lovely rejections, like "Oh, I really love the plot," but then you get those con- conflicting ones that'll say um, some people will say. I love the voice, and then the, but you know the pacing didn't work for me, and then okay. you get the next one that'll say I loved the pacing, but I just didn't connect to yeah. the voice. Or yeah. people would say I I love this, I don't know how to break it out. So I felt like um, after all of those rejections, to get multiple offers on this book was just a delightful surprise <laughs> for okay. me. So that was yeah. it was a shock, but it was exciting. But I do I will say as I've been working on other books um i do have an agent now and i found her just uh through querying uh, a a different a new work and so that that's been exciting to have somebody kind of in my corner as a Mm. kind of protecting me and as a cheerleader and kind of opening up the field to to other publishers as well so the reason that you went without an agent is because you just
1: did not want to wait to find an agent and, or what, like, what was your thought process?
0: You know, I guess I, if I could be honest, I would say that I, I had spoken to different people, um, during the process of this and, and I had had an offer from one agent and, I, think, I thought she was lovely and great. And then as we got a little deeper into it, she wanted to change, make a lot of changes to the story. And I sort of came away thinking that maybe I would be ghostwriting her book. The idea <laughs> that she had was going to – it was gonna, it was, it was definitely a larger rewrite. And then okay. um, I had had someone else who was working with me, and then um, she just sort of ghosted me. And I yeah. later when I said, like, this isn't working for me, I'm going to go my own way – She came back with a lot of excuses about why she had disappeared like that. But I I felt like I had had reached out enough times that she could have at any point let me know, I have this situation going on, and I'm sorry, I'll be in touch down the line. And so I just decided I wanted to move forward on my own. Because I think, like you say, that waiting, I think, can really kind of impact your, I guess, enthusiasm for your next project and I think there's so much uh, self-doubt in writing and so much isolation that you sort of feel like if somebody is not with you, it's maybe better to go it alone. And that was kind of my thinking. Mm.
1: Would you consider self-publishing?
0: You know, I think I would, especially I know um, it can be... I think you're doing so much marketing now on your own as Mm. an author. I think a publisher... They, only, they have limited resources, limited staff, and, and as I was saying, I think they're putting out new books constantly. So those authors, you know, as your book is in the pre-order phase and then the launch phase, those authors take up so much of their time and attention, and that's just natural and how it is. So I think you end up doing so much marketing on your own. And uh, I, to your question earlier, I didn't hire a publicist, I think because... I had been I have my background is kind of in journalism and in pitching mm-hmm. ideas. So I thought, you know what, let me just try this myself and see how that goes. And so I think if I hadn't had that background, I might have hired somebody. But I figured let me just give this a go, write the pitch letters and and see mm-hmm. what I can do on my own. But I think self-publishing, uh, if you're doing a lot of the work anyway, I think it gives you a lot of control. If you want to keep your title, if you want to design your own cover, if you know that you're going to have to put in so much time into marketing and um, blog tours and outreach. So I can definitely see where people would want to turn to that. And I, I think it's, um, it's something that I would be open to definitely. Mm. So what's your next book about? Oh, I'm, thanks for asking. I'm working on right one right now that follows two families. The moms are very good friends. And their sons, who are in their 20s, are very good friends as well. And these two boys, or young men, they live uh, at a ski resort right now. And one afternoon, they go skiing together, and only one of them returns. And so it's kind of about how, where is that missing son? And how the families go about, uh, you know, can that friendship stay intact if, uh, you know, what, I guess the one, the son who comes home, his actions make them a little bit suspicious. Like, did he do everything right to try to find the missing friend? So it sort of uh, explores a lot of different points of view the the two moms, what's going on with the the guy who is who does return home, and then their siblings and how you know what what's gonna happen within within those families, the drama that surrounds uh trying to maintain a friendship under extreme you know scary circumstances hmm. where Where did you get this idea from? Oh, that's a good question. Um you know, I think I had seen a news article that was almost like the catalyst for for that. Okay. So what is, what is
1: your writing routine or do you have a routine or do you like wait for inspiration? Like what, what is your day like in terms of, of writing?
0: Oh, well I try to, after, after I make that coffee and then microwave it 16 times. <laughs> I usually, <laughs> yeah, I like sit this down, one here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I sit down at my laptop and I try to, I I like the idea of trying to write chronologically, like starting so the, in this book that I'm working on now, we start off on a Saturday and we're moving forward as this uh, as this guy is missing and we're trying to find him. And But sometimes I don't have the ideas for what to do in the next chapter. But if I know that a scene is coming up ahead that I'm excited to write, I try to at least... Do something so that my day isn't me just kind of staring into space or scrolling through social media as I wait for inspiration. So I'll try to write ahead if I have an idea or outline something that I know is going to come later. But it is hard. I definitely, I wish I were one of those people who could plot out everything and have a neat outline to go back and fill in. But I think, unfortunately, I seem to get the ideas during the writing process. Like I have to kind of be in it. To figure it out and that's um that's kind of how it goes which can be frustrating (laughs) especially as if i write something and then realize okay i have to scrap it that's not gonna work do you
1: do you write every day rain or or shine okay
0: i try to write um while my kids are out of the house usually from about nine to three and then um Oh, well, that's a long, long.
1: That's a long writing time. You right, write non-stop I not stop from nine no, to okay. No,
0: definitely not nonstop. <laughs> you know, I kind of because I freelance on the side, I'm kind of okay. responding to emails or working on side projects or yeah. maybe I'll have an idea for an essay or a humor yeah. piece. And so I'll kind of take time out to work on something there. But um, but I try, t- and then of course I'll have other commitments during the week, but I, I try to, if I can save that space for writing. I try to take when I get frustrated, I try to go out for a walk and, uh, and clear my head or I listen to a lot of podcasts about writing, um, Mm -hmm. as I'm either making lunch or doing different chores around the house to try to, um, you know, just I think it's so heartening to hear what other writers are doing and what works for them. And, and also to hear that, you know, we're not in this alone, everybody comes to that blank page with a bit of fear and trepidation. What kind of podcast? Uh, can you name a few? Oh, sure. You know who I love? Um, Camille Pagán. She is an author of a number of best-selling books, and she's also a book coach now. And hers is called "You Should Write a Book." And what she does is, um, what I like is, it's they're kind of maybe like twenty to thirty-minute segments where she will speak with an author. Okay. And kind of coach them through an issue that they're having. And mm. she's, she's very honest, but she's also very encouraging. So I appreciate that. I also love um, A Bookish Home. Uh, which is hosted by a librarian named Laura. And she interviews a lot of authors and they'll talk about um, sort of their journey or different aspects of whatever novel or or book they've had recently come out. So that's always interesting to hear. I, I listened to one that really made me feel better about an author who, she loved a book. She had a, a book that was that did great, was a bestseller. She wrote another one and her publisher said, I'm sorry, that's really, that's not for us. So I guess- you tend to think that when someone has achieved something that the path is going to be straightforward, you know, like they won't have those setbacks anymore, but that's not necessarily true. So I think it's important to keep in mind that, um, you know, that it, it, the path does kind of vary. You're going to have ups and downs. It's not just a straight trajectory. And that I think it's also a good reminder to celebrate every win, every small win, because this is such a hard endeavor as you as you well know so yeah so oh I was gonna say if I could just give another one another one I love is um a writer a writerly lifestyle by David Gwynn he um interviews kind of everybody that might be helpful to an author let's say he'll bring on an agent he'll bring on maybe a Mm. publicist he'll bring on author so and he's a writer himself and he was querying his first novel and then he got an agent so I love I love hearing about that, but I mean, I could go on. I think I wrote a newsletter about the podcast that I love, like listing oh, right. all.
1: Ah, oh, nice. Okay, I should. I should uh, subscribe to. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it
0: to you. Okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I, like, I love I newsletters.
1: Yes, <laughs> I love I'm letters. always
0: going back and adding, and of course, I, I'm sure you listen to. Um, the shit no one tells you about writing. That's a great one where two agents critique a query letter and then usually oh, for the second half hour. Okay, um, that's nice. yeah. They will they'll interview an author who shares their journey. And so I always, anytime I'm, you know, out for a walk or or cooking dinner, I usually have a podcast keeping me company.
1: <laughs> mm, I listen to audiobooks a lot, I love a lot of times Yeah, because especially when I walk the dog, uh that's like the best time.
0: <laughs> and
1: so, okay, let me think So you are during the day, which is like I'm in a very similar situation and maybe you can help me out. Maybe you can coach I'll me. Try. <laughs> so, I spend, you know, uh I write fiction and non-fiction and I ghostwrite, you know, I have lots of clients and when it comes to my own work, I sort of like keep, you know, uh, postponing it because I have to, you know, I have paying clients, right? Right. And then by the end of the day, you're either exhausted or um, you're just, you you can't look at the computer anymore, especially if you do writing for a living. So how do you manage between like writing fiction or, or like, and writing for clients or, you know, like paying the bills through your writing, and then you have your creative endeavors?
0: Right. I think that that's a great question. I try to schedule time. I used to be better about this, but I would try to get up early and that's the time i would devote to my own projects because then i thought uh, it's kind of uninterrupted time no one's awake yet i'm not getting many emails so i i guess i would try between like 6 and 7 in the morning to devote a solid hour because i don't know about you but i also feel that guilt of like neglecting my own projects mm, yeah. you know it like weighs on you and then also i think the longer you're apart from it, when you go back to it, it, you almost have to reread to get in that headspace and to yeah. connect with those characters' voices again. So yeah. I try Sometimes I
1: forget the character's name. Like,
0: who is this again? <laughs> like- <laughs> Actually, like, what were you doing? And yeah. I about, I'll leave myself notes. And this just happened to me yesterday. I had been working on another part of this book. And then when I read the note, I had left myself for later in the manuscript. I thought, what did I mean by that? What, what was I telling myself to do here? So I have to get better about my personal notes. But I think maybe just even if I set, even if I take a break, like let's say if I'm working on projects for clients, when I'm going to eat lunch, I'll say, okay, I'm going to eat, but I'm going to keep my manuscript open. And even if I just do a little bit of editing, sometimes mm. that can spark an idea of like, okay, you made a note of this here. Like, make make sure you refer to this again later in the novel, and then I'll jot notes. And so even though it might not be a big chunk of time, I feel like at least I'm kind of touching the project, or I'm still connecting with it. Okay. Um, but I also will try on weekends to, to devote that time to my writing, my personal stuff. Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you use any like specific tools to outline or to write your novel,
0: or just the Word Doc? I'm just doing Word Docs, which is it's very messy. I will always say okay. I every, with everything I write, I say to myself, "You have to get a better process." But mm-hmm. I know I've heard people talk about Scrivener, Scrivener but I've heard I miss, use Scrivener, I, yeah. do you like it? I always I love hear it, mixed. Yeah. Oh, okay. I always hear mixed things that it's like a steep learning curve, but then other people say it's not, and then people say. I just went back to word. I don't know.
1: For me, Scrivener, uh, especially the first draft, like I, for this, my second novel that I'm working on, which is, you know, I've, I've been putting it off for for years with no excuse. But the first draft for me was because you divide the chapters, right? So if you get an idea, you know exactly where to plug it in. And, and nice. then you can name the chapter. So you can have like num chapter like when the main character has a fight with her husband or whatever, right? That's like the chapter. And then you, you know, like when you walk and then you like, oh, maybe she's going to throw the glass of wine. You know, like, and you remember, okay, I have to add this. So you immediately right. go to the chapter and you plug it in makes it much easier for me because you visually see it. And also for me is the character, how I, so I find images of, of characters, oh. like online, like celebrities, and then I plug them in, and every time, I'm like, how does this character look like again? And so I go back, and this inspires me to add more description, like, you know, That's she great. played with her long black hair, or he smiled and the dimples showed, or whatever, right? That's um, a great idea.
0: Oh, I'm so, going to have to try
1: that. Yeah, try, try that. It helped, you know. I'm, I'm all talk, though. <laughs> I well, actually can go back to it, but... I've.
0: You'll get back to it, you will,
1: right? <laughs> Yeah, but that's, I, I, I would uh, highly recommend, at least for the f- first draft. Uh, and it, it, it sort of kind of takes the fear out of the first draft, if you have it that's subdivided great. into small tasks or like small chapters. So you just like start with naming the chapters and start plugging in and moving things around. It becomes like a puzzle. And it's, yes. so it makes it more of a game. And so you kind of trick your mind into having fun with it than dreading it. So that's, that's great. Yes. That's Cause right now I, I have
0: look about at, yeah. 37 word documents open and it's, yeah. it's a mess. It's a That's
1: mess. scary. I mean, that is for me, that is scary. Like that would make me procrastinate. And then like, you know, the reason we procrastinate because we're dreading the task. And if right. you make it fun, your mind will realize, okay, I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm looking
0: forward to this. So Exactly. Yeah, That's great. That. And then to see your characters, that must be like like you're visiting yeah. old
1: times. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because because I forget, you know, and I'm working on different projects and nonfiction and short stories. And like, who is this guy again? <laughs> like great, the person but- that Yeah. But it's it's fun. Every time I talk with someone on the podcast I get really fired up and inspired. <laughs> And then, like, I, I go back to my novel, and then just uh, you know, and then I then get back to my other paying clients. <laughs>
0: it's, a problem. It it's very hard to divide, and yeah. I think too. I, when I mentioned Camille, uh, I was very fortunate; she had me on as a guest. And one thing that I struggled with, and maybe you have some advice for me, but that whenever I'll hit a roadblock in a manuscript, I'll think, um, well, I should be marketing the other books. Do you know what I mean? So Uh then I will flick away and I'll see about, I'll contact a local bookstore or Uh I'll reach out to a podcast host or, and then I kind of tell myself, okay, you're not working on that manuscript, but you're doing marketing for the other works. And that's just as important, but I have to. So her advice was kind of just block off chunks of time and tell yourself, this is the time when I write. This is the time when I market, yeah. and um, yeah. so I think that because you feel very divided. Like I want to work on this, but at the same time, I I want to keep this thing going. So yeah, it, yeah, you have to wear a lot of hats. I know, and with three kids, oh, God. <laughs> I, I know. I always want to put them to work for me. I see other writers where they've got like their kids on almost an assembly line where they're helping pack. And send out, but my boys are kind of like you're on your own. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know boys. how are you. How are
1: I friends? have two boys and a girl, so it de- it depends on the mood. They they make fun of me most of the time, but um, you know, yes, I
0: have that too. <laughs> oh. I know. And I, I don't know about your kids, but I will try to say. I don't know if you've seen certain authors, like big name authors, will uh, for charity they'll raffle off a name. You know, do you want to name a character in my book? Or would you like me to use your name as a character in ah. my book? So at dinner, I'll say to my kids, here's your opportunity. You can name a character and nobody wants to play along. <laughs> so. ah, that's a good idea.
1: It's probably my five-year-old would like it. Uh, the others right. uh, too busy with their video game, games to care. <laughs> that's <it>. right, that's- <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's fun. I'm actually taking them to, uh, we go there every year. It's um, book festival here in maryland called the gaithersburg book festival oh how fun it's fun because they have like a huge children's section and they love meeting the authors and they have all these books where the authors sign you know so it's you know i i try to you know to make them realize that you know like reading and writing is very important so Yes. started
0: grooming them early.
1: <laughs> early
0: I know, on. it's so important. I was such a huge reader. But of course, um, my husband and I will talk about growing up, we only had like, three television channels you know what i mean and oh, you would yeah. just kind of watch reruns over and over yeah. again so yeah, yeah. books were such a a love of mine and such like an escape but today they have so many in between yeah. what's on their phone and all million channels on tv and video games and
1: yeah yeah and i'm proud of my son because he wants us to go on memorial days weekend uh we live in maryland so he wants to go to baltimore to see edgar allen's Poe's house oh so- how cool Oh, nice it is cool home. yeah so he asked me to get him the collection of short stories but uh, oh, that's oh, and he's reading it so we're all excited to go to his house uh, oh i the love week. that yeah that's <laughs> the yeah. other two might complain but i don't care i'm oh that's
0: wonderful
1: yeah yeah but um Okay so uh, I always you know like to conclude by asking the authors to give just tips and advice for anyone who's struggling or anyone who wants to write a book but you know just too overwhelmed like ooh, or someone who is in the trenches and just want to give up so what what kind of advice would would you give
0: Uh, I would say, and this is something that I always talk about is I very early on, I joined a writing workshop. um, And that really kept me going. Because I think like we were just talking about, you can make up so many excuses for yourself. And and they're all justifiable, especially if you're working, you only have so many hours in a day. So I signed up for a workshop before I guess my memoir was the first full length work. Uh, mm-hmm. or a project that I worked on. And I signed up for this workshop. And so every week I had to show up with 10 pages. And so okay. that really kept me going. Almost like when people join a gym and you're like, well, I have to go because I paid. Yeah. I felt like this, um, I couldn't show up empty handed. And then mm-hmm. what I love is that you would read your work aloud, which is another tip I would give. I think reading aloud really allows you to hear if you're overusing the same word if you've mixed up your tenses if um, the dialogue doesn't ring true i think that's great so we'd read aloud and then people would give you feedback right then and so you know sometimes it it was hard to hear because you'd find out what wasn't working but when you when you could hear somebody Laugh at a line that you intended to be funny, or somebody gasp at something that you you were hoping to get a reaction. That can really that really yeah. was inspiring to me to go back and and go home and improve that chapter, and mm. then keep going forward. So that's something I think it's also great because you hear like it seems like especially if you're on social media, you see people announcing like. Um, I just got a deal or I got an agent and it seems like everybody's getting ahead of you, you know, But yeah. and it's not, not that it's a competition, but it's easy to feel like, Oh man, everybody else is achieving their goal mm-hmm. or their dream. And I'm still plotting away on chapter two. And so I think to be in that workshop and to hear other people who are kind of in those, the trenches with you of working through that draft was really inspiring to think like, I'm not in this alone. So Um, And when I worked on The Perfect Neighborhood, I was also in a workshop for that. And unfortunately, uh, COVID hit, but we were able to go online and still meet virtually. And that really kept me going. And the workshop, was it, did, did you create the group or was it like an
1: organized thing or how? Um, it's
0: actually, so I'm in New Jersey and it was through the writer circle and they have, I guess, uh, they have in-person sessions and then they also have virtual and they meet in different places around New Jersey. So they have a few outposts. So it's easy uh, for people, I guess, if you're in North or Central Jersey to hopefully find a location that's not too far from you and, uh, and so that really helped. But And they offer, whether you're beginning your novel or revising your novel or you're working on nonfiction, they have a lot for children and young adults. So they offer a wide array. And so I felt really fortunate to have found them. And that that really kept me going. Ah, okay. Well, that's, that's great. Um, and then I guess from one of my early sessions, um, a couple of people – I met now, we'll still meet, we meet for lunch, but we used to meet and talk about our writing. But now as as life has gotten in the way, kind of we're all at different stages. Uh, one woman, she's still working on her memoir. And one of the other writers, he has a chapbook coming out. So he's put his short stories together and found a publisher. And so we're kind of all at different places, but we've stayed friendly, which is wonderful. So it's it's great to to have that, you know, kind of a friendship grow out of it that you didn't necessarily expect. Great. So
1: this 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 has been one uh, wonderful Liz. And
0: any final no. thoughts?
1: Before no, just to... I
0: appreciate everything you do to bring uh, readers and authors together. So thank you.
1: Ah, oh, you're welcome. And um, for anyone who is uh, reading, uh, listening, or uh, watching, don't forget to check out Liz's um, book. The perfect neighborhood. So, and thank you everyone for spending this hour with us, and until we meet again.